Hello? Staffordshire Police? Hello and welcome to The Beat, the voice of Staffordshire Police. My name is Josh Samuels and it gives me great pleasure today to be in the company of Sue Bohannon. Sue is the Specialist Coordinator here at Staffordshire Police and brings with her such experience and expertise. Sue, I can't wait to get into all that with you. But first of all, please just tell me what it is you actually do as a Specialist Coordinator? It is really, as the word says, I coordinate. So I coordinate anything to do with the specials. I am there as a coordinator for the departments uh, for requests to do with human resources. I have quite a bit of communication with reference to the trainers to do with the training course. Um, I will organise attestations, meet people, take telephone calls from specials who have a problem and liaise with the Federation. So it's quite a vast job and literally I'm there as a jack of all trades and a master of none. (laughs) So you're leading quite a large team of people. How many people would you say that you are are coordinating? Right. At the moment, we have 143 specials. Some of them are operational, some of them are non-operational, and some of them are on a small proportion or on what we call leave of absence. That can be because they could be expecting a baby or they have some issues at home. So there's quite a bit, as you can realise, that welfare issues, uh, plus the fact we've got a constant turnover of specials coming within the force for training. So it's a constant job, but a very, very exciting and interesting job. And I suppose the next obvious question for me is somebody that isn't that au fait with the specials. What do they, what do you actually do on a day-to-day basis? Literally, a special constable has the same powers as a regular officer. So what they tend to do at the moment, if you come through the induction course, which is the training course for the beginning, you'll go out onto an area called a division station. At that station, you're met by a special that's been here for quite a while. That special will take you out on duty, show you around, um, and then you have things they have to complete called PDPs, which are training um, assessments. But basically, once you go out onto the division, you become a little bit competent because the worst thing is using a radio because when the first time you use a radio, you go into really strange mode and say the most ridiculous thing. Like on here. Like on here. And you say, you think, oh my God, have I just said that? Did I really just say that? Once you've done that, regular officers tend to take you out. Our aim for the future is for the specials to be more integrated with our regular officers, go out and support them with their duties and be able to do more that a regular officer actually does. We have actually got specials that have been in for a, a good while that actually now are on our road policing unit. And we have four specials that are on the central motorway patrol as well. So there is that area now that we're moving to that um, once you've been in and progressed for a while, looking at other departments that you can actually do attachments to. What I find vastly fascinating is that everything you've described, all the training, all the experience you have to gain to be in a position to be on the beat, so to speak, to do that on a voluntary basis suggests to me that this isn't just a job it's a vocation and it's more than let's say a doctor or even a normal police officer in the sense that they are paid 
to do that on a voluntary basis must be a real calling. A hundred percent. When I came into being a special, I'd always wanted to be a police officer, but I was actually automatically uh, drawn into the family farm. So I worked at home on the farm, milking cows and doing all that exciting stuff. But and then I saw a brochure for the special constabulary, which I'd never heard of before. Um, but I thought, oh, I'll fill this in and try it. Once I got in, it just becomes the bug because you're there, you're doing something that you really enjoy doing. So if you become a special, firstly, you've got to enjoy the work that you do and you've got to have a purpose of helping somebody. I know it sounds a little bit corny, helping somebody, but mainly wanting to support the regular force, giving them a bit of a, a, a as they say, a bit of a chuck, um, helping them out. And you learn so much, you're learning about people, you're learning about the law, you're learning about legislation. So it's like another life experience, life learning curve. We're going to get onto that in a moment, but you really piqued my interest by talking about growing up on the family dairy farm. What was that like as a, as a child to grow up on that environment? It's a wonderful experience, to be fair. You do tend to be very closeted on the family farm. You tend to do uh, marry farmers and then you carry on, get your own farm and, and all that kind of stuff. But I uh, hated school, so when I went to school, I didn't like school, come away with not many qualifications. Uh, work, uh, and it was really good because with me it was the animals, just working with the animals and being outside all the time, um, it suited me down to the ground. But as I got older, I wanted to do something a little bit different. Uh, with the specials, I got a bit of both. I got my day job and I got the police job as well. So I was very, very lucky. And I'm right in saying that you had an early interest in all things police. Yes. I don't know where it came from because obviously when I was younger, there wasn't a lot on television. It was very sort of limited, the television was. It was black and white and very limited. You weren't old enough to watch black and white TV. Oh, yes. With doors on the television as well. <laughs> Gosh, it is a throwback. Yeah, <laughs> really is a throwback. And Tales of the Riverbanks, that's what it was. But, um, yes, I think I'd always had this interest because you were kind of intrigued to what the police officers actually did and the training that they did and they always seemed to be kind of out and about meeting people so for me with being on the farm and being very closeted to me it was a good way of meeting people uh, and helping the community as well because I've born and bred in Nosal, lived in Nosal all my life so it was a good way of giving something back I think. Did the possibility of ever joining the police in whatever capacity that might have been, did that ever seem like a plausible option for you moving forward, living on that, I should say, quite self-contained farm environment, looking then on television at these police dramas, whatever it might have been, where it's, it's a very open atmosphere? Did you ever think that's something that I could possibly do in the future? That is what I would have liked to have done, but the farming fraternity is quite an insular um, area when you're on the family farm you're automatically drawn within the family farm which I left school at 16 worked on the farm uh, went to Robuston for a year 
milk the cows, but I was dad's like second in command. So the thought of actually, I would have liked to have done it, but there's almost the guilt side of it where you, you have to stop at home and work on the farm. I think things have changed quite considerably now, but there still is, it's a very insular farming is, very insular farmers, like I say, married farmers, but I broke the mould, but um, that's what normally happens. So it's quite a duty-based yes. environment. Yeah. I suppose that also lends itself to working for the specials, doesn't it? Exactly, exactly. The same principle. You have a duty. Your duty is to get on and do the job. You, you can't just, with the specials, if you say you're going to do a duty, you carry on and do that duty. You can't just turn around and say, oh, don't feel like it now because you're scheduled within a rotor to do that duty and people are relying on you. This was the same thing with the farm. I think I probably had one day sick off a farm. Even if um, you could hardly walk, you still had to go out, feed those animals because those animals were relying on you. So same principle with the police, really. People are relying on you to turn up and help them. So when you then made that step up into joining the specials, what was that like for you? Was it like a, a revelation? Was it an epiphany? You thought, oh my God, I'm finally be able to even in part do the job that I've wanted to do for so long and still remain loyal to the family farm? Yes, I was very fortunate. I've always say I've had two jobs in my life and uh, it's been the farm and the specials and working for the police force. Like I said, I've been 34 years, I've been within the police force and I've enjoyed every minute of it. The police force has looked after me. I've made lots and lots of friends, colleagues, had a real good laugh along the way. So when I first joined, obviously I was very nervous because when we started in the specials, you could uh, only wear a skirt. In the winter, you were allowed woolly tights we had a handbag with a little truncheon in it, probably about five, six inches long, and you walked out and you couldn't drive anywhere. You had to walk everywhere. And it was quite daunting for a start-off. But the more I got into it, the more I just loved it. And how did that then progress into 30-odd years in the specials? How did you start off? How did you then move through the ranks? I actually uh, started off as a special constable, but I was went to Nosal where I was asked to go because there was it's a rural and they got no specials out there, and especially females because we were quite in the minority then. You didn't get many females within the police, so I went to Nosal, worked out there, met my husband, which wasn't intentional. It was just one of those things. And you wouldn't have done it if you stayed on the farm. No, and well, this is it. I wouldn't have met my husband. And it has been a bonus. We've been married 30-odd years, so oh. it, it can't have been a bad thing meeting him. Uh, from there, I went to Stafford to be promoted as what was called a section officer, but now it's a special sergeant. I managed to get through the interview, so I became a special sergeant. Looked after a, a big team again at Stafford, then I went on to become some what was called a subdivisional officer, which is equivalent to a special chief inspector because the ranking system was different. And then I eventually ended up being a divisional commandant where we were managing two, 250, 300 specials. There again, it was absolutely fantastic. Loved every minute. What would you say 
were the big differences, not just in terms of uniform, but in terms of what you're allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do between being a special when you first joined and for those that are joining the ranks now? Now, the world to your oyster, basically, is a special. When I started, as I say, you, you couldn't drive. We can drive, uh, the specials can drive now. It may be limited at the moment, but we will be progressing on. Your safety equipment for a start-off is absolutely second to none. You have CS spray, you have handcuffs, you have batons, you have everything that a regular will have for safety equipment. The, the training is second to none, so you have first aid training, safety training, and also your. It's hard to explain. You can literally do as such what you want to do within the force. So you can ask the questions. Sometimes you might not get the answer that you want. Say, well, can I do this? And they'll say, no, you can't. And unfortunately, some people think that that is the force being slighting to them. But it's not. It's because we have to look at the safety for that individual and policies, rules and regulations. So it's not against the specials. When I started, we were called hobby bobbies because there was lots of regular officers. Now that name obviously is completely gone because the specials are so needed because of the shortness of uh, regular officers. So we really are welcome to 100%. That I find fascinating that when you joined, there was this almost a stigma maybe about being a special, yet you were still completely set on joining compared to nowadays where it would be impossible to, if you wanted to, to turn the opportunity down. There's so much, so many more reasons for people to become a special. 100%. If I'd been given the opportunities when I started, given to me at that moment in time when I signed up thought, wow this is amazing but you accepted what you were given so you knew that you couldn't drive cars you knew that you couldn't do that but you still went on and did it because you did it for the right reason sometimes I do feel that specials that are joining now have got so much that sometimes they don't realize how much they have got because if they had to go back in time and see how the special gustavory actually started and what they started with and what people have fought for and the forces given them they probably would look and say well why am i doing this but now you see you're given you're even given federation membership now to look after you so the force really has kind of put their arms around specials now and said, yes, we want you, we will give you as much as we possibly can. And are you looking at all of the uh, the new recruits saying to them, back in my day, we didn't have what you've got now? <laughs> well, of course, because that's what people do. It's like your mother first year, you'll remember this kind of thing. But it's not a bad thing to reiterate that sometimes. Because when you do actually say to them, this is what I had when I started, they look at you absolutely aghast. And they sometimes there's a bit of a realisation saying, well, yeah, we have moved on. This is available to us. I think what we've got to try and do within Special Constabulary is when people start training on the induction, they're dead key. They, they want to get out there. They want to help. We've got to try and keep nurturing that and keep it going with people, give them lots of opportunity to carry on. 
Well, so we are going to have to put a pause on proceedings there as we come to the end of part one. It's already been so fascinating chatting to you and I can't wait to hear about all the other stories you've got to tell us in part two. As I'm sure neither can you. So wherever you're listening from, make sure you join us for the second half of our conversation with Sue Bohannon on the beat, the voice of Staffordshire Police. Look forward to seeing you then. (laughs) 